Welcome to Hack and Slash, the podcast where we hack into slashers. I'm Campbell. And I'm John. And welcome to another very special bonus episode. Now, as you may know, we're currently in the middle of reviewing every single movie in both the Friday the 13th and A Nightmare on Elm Street franchises. So far, we've covered the first eight Friday the 13th movies, as well as the first five Nightmare on Elm Street films. In addition, our previous bonus episode was on the first season of Freddy's Nightmares, so check those out if you haven't already. And this episode, we're continuing with that TV series as we talk about the second season of Freddy's Nightmares. As with our episode on Season 1, we're not talking about every single episode from Season 2. We're again limiting it to the four episodes in which Freddy actually appears in the story. Also, again, we won't be doing our usual deep dives talking about every single scene, and instead just talking about overall thoughts, what we liked, what we didn't, that kind of thing. So the first episode we're talking about is Season 2, Episode 1, entitled Dream Come True, which originally aired on October 8, 1989. It was directed by George Kachender, who also did a couple more episodes of Freddy's Nightmares, and it was written by Tom Blomquist, who also did another episode of the show. So the first half is about a teenager having nightmares about Freddy, and his mother brings in a psychiatrist to help. First things first, wow, such bad sound. The show is cheap as shit, and I'd forgotten just how much. And second, the host on this talk show is ridiculous. He um, describes this book that this guy on his show is plugging as an outrageously expensive book, which, you know, is a gimmicky thing for him to do on TV, but he's a very over-the-top character, and that's something else that I had forgotten about after the first season, that nobody in this show acts like a real person. So when the mother and the doctor get to the mother and the kid's house, the kid who's a teenager, he just falls real hard down a flight of stairs. (laughs) (laughs) It is the most hysterical thing. completely agree <laughs> like it it comes completely out of nowhere <laughs> yeah it like it just it just makes no sense that he's just rolling backwards <laughs> down the stairs suddenly and like his scream is totally ridiculous and the banister moves so it's like clearly a set not a real house it, it's amazing stuff yeah it really is this episode actually gets off to a very good start i um I think it was just, like, how do we put a jump scare in here? I know, this character can be introduced by being thrown down the fucking stairs. (laughs) So good. So good. Uh, so funny. Yeah. Good in the way that it's, it's not supposed to be. That's so by mistake, but still, bravo. Yeah. (laughs) And as soon as he gets up, he's, he manages to retain the ability to be a sarcastic dick. Okay, and then there was a lot of confusion about what was going on for me here. So, at first I thought, this doctor is staying the night in their house, but then I realized it was just a dream. But then in the next moment, which was really happening, 
I thought he said he was going to stay for a few minutes, so I had to go back to check that he actually said a few nights. So, I guess this mother might be a fan or whatever, but didn't she just meet this guy for the first time today? And now she's letting him stay in her house, and they're apparently lounging around in their dressing gowns? Come on. It kind of reminds me of whichever Friday the 13th, The New Blood, with the mum and that therapist. They just seem to have a relationship that's too close. And in this episode of this show, it's so immediate, it's weird and creepy. There's a part where the kid is dreaming and, you know, Freddy's torturing him and stuff, and Freddy is throwing darts at him. I just wanted to point out that that's really, really not scary. Darts. Not scary. Yeah, I agree with that. And there are quite a few looks and situations that Freddy is in throughout these episodes, which are also not scary. The next day, the mother and doctor have a conversation where the mother really annoyingly simplifies Freddy's backstory so much. She tells him that Freddy was an insane maniac instead of child killer who killed a group of people instead of a group of children. Then she says they caught him and he burnt to death. I mean, the people set him on fire. So actually, wait, okay, not simple. She made all of that sound really confusing. It's a terribly written line for what should have been really easy since it's such a well-established plot point in the franchise. Oh, and um, P.S. All the actors in this show are still fucking terrible. So the doctor starts the kid's therapy and he puts him in this trance. And it goes so wrong that the kid has supernaturally received slashes on his chest. And the doctor just fucks off upstairs barely having said anything, and then just chills out in his room like it's his house, which I found really strange. Again, with this seeming familiarity of a guy that's known these people and been there for a matter of hours, it would seem. And then the camera guy, oh, by the way, these therapy sessions are being documented, he comes in, and he and the doctor have a chat, and then the doctor says to give him half an hour and they'll try another session, and I'm like, ah... Oh, Maybe run that by the mother and son that you just left on their own in hysterics downstairs. You know, after your first session went so horribly wrong. You wanna, wanna give them a heads up on we'll just try that again? The doctor doesn't actually get to the second therapy session before Freddy turns up in his dream. And Freddy tears up his notes and I think he tells him not to do what he's doing. But at the end of their conversation, Freddy uses his hands to crush his own skull, and he very joyously licks up the green ooze spilling from his head. That is actually pretty classic. I kind of liked that, and I liked Robert England's performance in that moment. Yeah, I think I liked it mostly because it did remind me of the similar moments we've had in the movies of Freddy hurting himself and gaining pleasure from that. It looks a little silly, a little goofy, childish, but um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I agree, it looking a bit silly, but I also very much agree that I like anything that reminds me of Freddy as, as we knew him as someone who would do something scary, as opposed to jumping around with a guitar. Yep, see season one, people. Oh, please, for the love of God, don't. Do not. <laughs> no. Do not do it. <laughs> 
In another one of the Doctor's dreams, the mum comes in and she's dressed all sexy. And I thought to myself, yeah, yeah, it's very clear where this is going. But then Freddy comes in behind the two of them and the mum turns around and she acts like she's his lover and she's been cheating on him. And then Freddy slices her head off. So, okay, I will admit that is not what, what I expected, not where I thought it was going, which was nice. I found that moment also quite hilarious. It's just so simple and matter-of-fact. The ease with which her head just flies off and then, like, lands in the corner with a simple little plonk. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. It seems a lot like a teenage boy flying down a flight of stairs. (laughs) (laughs) This episode, it has some good slapstick. I'll give it that. Yeah, I definitely didn't expect that either. So at this point, we basically realise that Freddy has left the kids' dreams altogether, and he's in the Doctor's now. And I like this concept. The non-believing adult having his dreams invaded is something that we haven't really seen before. Yeah, I guess we haven't. I'm suddenly thinking of the coach from Elm Street Part 2, but he was kind of in the dream And we didn't see him dealing with it. But then we don't see this guy dealing with it either. They, the concept that I was just talking about gets ruined kind of completely by having him in the next scene, run out the front door, drive like a madman to the TV studio where the talk show was going on. And then he gets shot because he just went completely crazy. And after a few dreams, this kid had apparently been putting up a fight against Freddy for the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, this doctor's dead, but he was a little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Also, his little face-off with the police is basically the opposite of drama. Yes, I definitely agree with that. It's like um, a high school play, a really embarrassing one that's poorly blocked and performed, and then going back to talking about it being a TV show, very horribly shot and framed too. Oh God, yeah, it's coming back to me now. Him lifting up a chair and basically nudging one of them to the ground with it. So then we move on to the second half, which is about the camera guy who was filming the psychiatrist's work with the teenager, who then investigates Freddy's existence himself. Well, my first thing to say about this is the camera guy is looking at footage of the Doctor being shot, and why would the camera guy have been in the studio to get that footage in the first place? Because they clearly weren't taping an episode of the talk show at the time. And why the fuck would the police allow him to keep filming when they were taking the body away? And also, cops don't take bodies away. They tend to have hats and guns and not gurneys and body bags. And then after the camera guy leaves the room, we see on the monitor, Freddy, like, shows up. And he's, like, working it for the camera. He's sort of addressing the audience, but not, like, in those little interludes between episodes or whatever he does. It's just, I guess it's supposed to be funny, but it's disturbing and it's sad. 100%. I can't, I can't stand it. I hate it. I hate the words. I hate the performance. 
And I just hate the fact that it doesn't make sense. What the fuck is Freddy doing? He's on a videotape talking to no one. It's just ridiculous. Then there's Judy. Judy, who turns out to be the cameraman's girlfriend, but is still this character that we've never met before, and now she's dead in a dumpster. Yawn. And even though the cameraman kind of has a tantrum about it, his reaction to his girlfriend being dead is such an underreaction that even if we did know her, it's like the scene with the doctor. It's basically anti-drama. It's very embarrassing. And then what's kind of weird is we see that scene that we just saw with him discovering his dead girlfriend again, because he watches it. There's some footage of it. Did, did he take the footage? I can't even remember, but... The cameraman has a friend who also has a camera, and he was filming at the same time. Right. But in terms of what we're watching, we just watched the same thing twice. It's completely redundant. And it was way too soon after we saw it for us to not notice that it was a different take and doesn't come across as realistic as him watching the footage of what just happened. We just fucking saw it. Right, right, right. <laughs> and then I think on this footage, he sees Freddy. There's Freddy gets caught on camera somehow, which I shouldn't even have to explain makes no sense. And also as far as the character of this cameraman and the footage of his own that he's watching, that zoom into where Freddy is never happened. In a couple of scenes, the cameraman enlists the help of the kid who was getting therapy from the doctor. It's funny how none of them have names in my mind. And I was really surprised to see that. I thought this story has been so all over the place for the last few minutes. I thought that we were done with him. And honestly, I'm not that thrilled to see him again. And I've got to ask about this guy's plan. He wants to get the kid to help him to film Freddy so they can expose him. And I don't understand this. Why does he think that exposing Freddy to the public will do any good when Freddy can still attack people in their dreams? It's not like he's been removed from the dream world and inserted into reality. And in fact, he doesn't even have his own proof that he thought he had because he showed that footage that we were just talking about to his boss and his boss couldn't see him. In fact, I think they both couldn't see him. He wasn't on the footage anymore. So I just don't get it. And then very shortly after this, Freddy attacks the camera guy in his dream and he doesn't change his plan. He wants to meet the kids so they can go and film Freddy. Just wants to film him, which is, or he's already done it. I don't, I don't understand. It's as if they came up with this guy's one trait, which is being a camera guy, and that's his solution and method of going through life. Like, what should I do about this demon haunting me in my dreams? Oh, I'll film him. <laughs> yeah, I'll film him with this camera that, oh, look, is sitting on my shoulder. <laughs> yeah. That's convenient. Let's go. And the camera guy has a dream, well, a th that he thinks is a dream of seeing Freddy which turns out not to be a dream, I guess. So maybe Freddy is in the real world? I don't fucking know. I feel like talking about Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and 5 again. I, I should have learnt by now to not ask these questions. But the kid and the cameraman um, find the homeless guy that was killed in his dream, and he's dead. And they have zero reaction to finding a body in a closet in some derelict basement. The kid goes off to call the police, but 
their expressions don't change one iota. It's insane. I know, right? Like, just as casual as anything. No reaction. Even the music doesn't change. Right. He's just there. This is a dead body, everyone. And this cop comes to the conclusion that the camera guy murdered his girlfriend. And then he finds the homeless guy and thinks the same. And there's a part where the cop tells the guy's boss the identity of a supposed murderer, which just unprofessional wouldn't ever happen. Nobody is written like a real person in these, in these episodes. And when the camera guy ends up dying of an apparent suicide, which is caused by Freddy, it was just extremely predictable. I saw it coming at least a minute before Freddy started coming towards him and he was backing away. And what the fuck was the camera guy doing anyway? He clearly was filming Freddy. He, he got him in a shot, so he didn't have to keep filming until he walked himself off a building. Especially since the first time he saw Freddy on tape, he was gone the next time he looked at it. It just, say it again, doesn't make any sense. Well, this one definitely isn't the worst episode I've seen, but oh god, I was so bored. Everything about it was cheap and dull, all the acting was really bad. There's nothing so terrible about the actual storylines, but there's not an ounce of passion in the presentation, so yawn, moving on. Hmm, I felt exactly the same. I, I got to the end, and didn't really have a, a reaction of any kind, but I did sit there thinking, was that better? Was that somehow better than the episodes from season one? And I think it's because there was an interesting story in there somewhere, but just like all the rest of them, it's half-baked and not well-paced or shot or written or anything. So yeah, like you said, moving on. The next episode we're talking about is Season 2, Episode 4, entitled Photo Finish, which originally aired on October 29, 1989. It was directed by Tom DeSimone, who also did a few more episodes, and it was written by Bill Froelich, who also worked on the Poltergeist TV series. So the first half is about this down-and-out photographer whose models get attacked by Freddy. And I think fairly early on, she's doing this photo shoot with these models who are doing this whole huge dance routine. They're moving all the time, and I just don't get why they have a dance routine if the photos are only being taken every five seconds. Um, also, it all looks fucking terrible. <laughs> I didn't take a note on this, but was definitely going to mention it anyway for the same reasons you've just listed. I could not understand either that they're, they're dancing and within the choreography of the dance, they stop so she can take a photo. So why they don't just move from position to position, I don't understand. They're not giving the pictures any depth or sense of motion because they stop and she goes click. So the dance routine in the middle is just for her? I don't know what's going on. Although, this is some of the most sensical portion of the episode. By the time we get to the end, I fucking really don't know what's going on. And then I think that transitions to her having a photo shoot with a family, 
And I kind of like here that they do get across this idea of this poor photographer who used to be making art, even if it was terrible, and is now stuck doing family photo shoots with obnoxiously cheery people like this family. Filthy suburbanites. <laughs> exactly. There's a point where I think the parents mention her old career and the daughter says, wow, did you used to be somebody? And I was like, whoa, kids, sick burn. <laughs> that is savage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She looked so sweet and innocent. <laughs> so seemingly out of the blue, this photographer gets a phone call from the editor of Kink Magazine, and she's sitting in this room that is so... It's lit in a way that just makes it look so much like a set and so not like someone's office. It's really embarrassing. Anyway, she's a real fucking bitch and gives her the opportunity to take some photos that are going to apparently revive her career. And then when we cut to the next scene and we see the first of three Halloween-themed shoots, the props of a hay bale and a scarecrow and the costume of this model, which is the most basic bitch witch outfit, I just thought, I'm sorry, this? This is going to revive her or anyone's career? Fuck off. Then the model goes to change for the next shoot, which is a Jack the Ripper style shoot. And her costume looks much better, but the props look just as fake and ridiculous. I mean, maybe that's what they're going for, but yeah, it doesn't look good. And there was one thing I had to mention where the photographer's talking about the fog that they have for the shoot, which is clearly a dry ice machine. And firstly, she tells her, she tells the model that the fog is slippery, so watch out or something. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, what? Fog is slippery? That's factually inaccurate, especially if you're talking about dry ice. And she later calls it fog juice. She asks her assistant to go and get more fog juice. I'm sitting there going, what the fuck? Do the writers of this scene involving dry ice not know the name of dry ice? <laughs> yeah, I have a note here that is in its entirety, fog juice. <laughs> <laughs> Just what the hell? Yep, absurd. Long story short here, the model gets attacked by Freddy. The photographer can't see Freddy, but she's taking pictures going, oh, this is great. What you're doing is great. Even though the model was acting quite vapid and potentially talentless just a second ago and suddenly bursts into hysterics, why the photographer would assume she was in camera and just start snapping. I mean, it's possible, I guess, but it doesn't fucking come across. It seems, yeah, you guessed it ridiculous so then there's like a i guess a vampire themed photo shoot where you have the model in a coffin and she's being given a, a stake as a prop like a you know thing with which you would kill a vampire and uh she has a line where she says something like you want me to lick the stick or i could suck on it if you want and i was just like she's clearly a porn actress <laughs> this is her um, her dreams of becoming something greater, but, um, it's not her day job, clearly. 
but she was just a really bad actress in general. Her dead face at the end when she's killed, really, really dumb, really unconvincing. This one, surprise, surprise, gets attacked by Freddy as well, except she ends up dying. And the photographer, who I guess is just a true idiot, comes over to her, even, even like slaps her on her leg, I think, to tell her what a good job she's done and says she'll be right back and runs off to the dark room. It's like this woman can't tell the difference between someone who's alive and someone who's dead. And when she comes back and finally realizes that the model is dead, she spends so long telling us everything that she's thinking and the reason that she decides not to call the police because she doesn't want to lose her photography opportunity, which clearly is insane. But yeah, I it was so embarrassing hearing her whole supposedly frantic stream of consciousness. Just, God, the fucking actors in this show, so bad. Highly, highly embarrassing. I could hardly take it. And also, quick question in my notes here. Why has Freddy decided to help out a fucking has-been fashion photographer anyway? What is fucking happening? Good question. Oh, and then shortly after this, we see that she's on her next photo shoot, which is an Egyptian-themed photo shoot, and she's wrapping up the girl's body to use for this photo. Why the fuck would she do that? It's the same shape as a dummy, and if she wants to get away with this very odd collaboration she's got going on with Freddy, she better dispose of that shit kinda now. Kinda fucking yesterday. And she tells this next model, who's dressed as Cleopatra, and she said basically the same thing to the, the vampire girl, to doze off, to go to sleep, hence Freddy coming to attack them, I suppose. As if a model would ever agree to literally falling asleep in front of a camera. I just find that completely unbelievable. But this one actually goes in quite a different way from the other two, because Freddy turns up behind the model, and the photographer is kind of frustratedly asking her to look behind her so she'll be scared and she can start snapping her photos who are well respected by no one except for this one vapid magazine editor. But turns out that Freddy's behind her and he stabs her eyes out with two of his fingers. She puts her hands over her eyes and she wails and stumbles onto the set and the girl's screaming and Freddy's taking photos. And it's very gruesome in concept and it's even quite reasonably well shot. What do you think about that? I actually kind of love this moment. I really like how Freddy is kind of punishing this photographer for her greed and disregard for human life. You know, he says, so you want to make her scream? And she says, yes. And he says, this should do it. And he stabs her in the eyes. There's a decent amount of blood. I like him taking the photos himself as well. This is the fun, sadistic Freddy that I like. Not a bad effect of her uh, empty eye sockets, either. Hmm, yeah. See, I knew I liked it. I think it's just so hard to pick it out when it's in this great big puddle of mud. <laughs> yep. So we move on to the second half, which is about an FBI team investigating a triple homicide, and Freddy messes with them. Okay, so now that family from the beginning uh, have been shot by someone in a ghost costume, and 
I was sitting there thinking, no, 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 seriously, I know I keep asking this, but what the fuck is happening now? The three FBI guys walk in, and you know that they're FBI because the letters FBI are on everything they carry. This lead investigator who fucking thinks he's Will Graham from Red Dragon walks around with his dictaphone saying almost everything to himself. Rocking around the crime scene, touching everything with no gloves, reminds me of uh, the last episode of the first season where we talked about a crime scene. Apparently there's, there's no money in the budget for gloves. Not in this show, no sir. There's this incredibly convenient answer machine message where the father, he's calling his daughter to let her know something and then says, oh, it's you. What are you doing here again? No, no. Highly embarrassing. There's a fucking insane moment where the two non-lead investigators who like the photographer must be true, true idiots. They open the door to a knock that turns out to be two trick-or-treaters that they let into the house and give candy from the family's bowl. This is a fucking crime scene. What are you doing? There's a dialogue exchange where the lead investigator suddenly says, the father killed them. And then one of the other guys says, how do you know that? And he says, I don't know. Dun dun dun. Because he's getting dreamlike images from Freddy or something. At this point, I was like, please, please explain to me where the fuck has the story of this episode gone? Later, he's sitting in the chair, the chair where the father was murdered and his blood is all around it. Just, yep, sitting down in it, getting his fibers and I was going to say DNA, but it's only 1990 at this stage. I'm not sure that that was being used very much in crime scene investigations, but fibers, they were big on fibers back then. His all over the fucking place. Again, just all through this scene, thinking to myself, the dialogue between all three of these guys is painful. It is truly painful and so boring. We see in the lead investigator's mind what happened uh, and how the murders occurred. And the dad walks into the house and he sees Freddy at the door. So he shoots Freddy. And when he falls to the ground, we see that that was actually his wife. And he goes upstairs, sees Freddy again, shoots who he thinks is Freddy, actually killed his daughter. But when he comes back downstairs, he finds his wife's body. And he didn't feel the need to check her pulse before he just sat down in his chair to take a load off and have a cry. And then he gets his throat slashed by Freddy. It's actually sort of a creepy scene where he's going around killing the family. Also channeling Michael Myers a little bit in the ghost costume. There's a part where the two lackey investigators are talking to each other and they're speculating that the lead investigator might not be who he says he is, that he might be a prisoner who escaped and is now posing as an FBI agent. And one of them says, identity transference, which not a thing. The writing in this fucking show. <laughs> So one of those two guys, one of the lackeys, he goes through the same thing that the husband went through, essentially, and he ends up shooting 
the other guy, his friend. So the main investigator, he comes down the stairs and he says, I tried to tell you it was Jack. Kruger is just in your head. And oh God, I hate you people so much. You characters saying these things, you actors butchering these lines, you writers making this happen. I, I hate you all. But then when Freddy appears to this guy again, in the form of the lead investigator, who's telling him that Freddy is messing with his head. This happens seconds after Freddy appeared to him and tricked him into killing his friend. He sees Freddy again, exactly where the other guy was, and then starts going after him to shoot him. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why do you not realize now that this is still happening? I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand any of these episodes. Oh, and the lead investigator ends up shooting the other guy. So he comes downstairs, he's got it all worked out, how Freddy shows himself to people in order to trick them into shooting innocent people. So Freddy jumps up behind him and he shoots him. What the fuck is wrong with everyone now in this inexplicable second half of whatever the fuck is going on here? He is lucky that he didn't just shoot a toddler or something. So, shooting who was actually Freddy, Freddy takes the bullet, he throws it back at him, and he jumps over the couch and slashes his throat, much in the same way that he did with the father of the family. And then, when a second team of FBI agents come in to investigate this, the new lead investigator takes a piece of paper out of his little satchel thing, and then the music goes all spooky, and he looks around all shifty, and both of those things make it seem like we know what he's looking at, but I have no fucking idea. We saw an image of Freddy come out of a fax machine before and burst into flame. That was the only thing that I could imagine that this cliffhanger guy at the end was looking at. What the fuck was going on there? I don't even remember this scene, this episode, this show. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten it on purpose, I think. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I was very mildly interested in what was going on in the first half of this episode, and then quite infuriated with the second half, especially since I expected the story to continue. It doesn't really count as continuing when the non-characters from the first scene of the first half happen to be the victims in this second half. It just really pissed me off. Although having said that, when whoever it was under the white sheet shot everyone in the family, I was thinking, if this is the photographer, how the fuck is she doing this? Doesn't she have any eyes? So I don't know. I guess it was going to annoy me either way. That episode, was straight garbage. So actually, for me, the first half of this episode is probably the best thing I've seen on the show by far. It might be another case of me projecting what could have been, but I actually think this is a pretty decent idea for an episode. This photographer, desperate to return to her former glory, willing to let Freddy help her and therefore let her models die just so she can create good photos again. It's still silly, of course, but the theme of 
compromising your morals in order to gain success and fame. That's good stuff. Totally worth exploring. As usual, it's let down by this cheap TV show. But yeah, not a bad first half of an episode, comparatively speaking, anyway. I think the second half is a perfectly fine story idea, too, and it's considerably more serious and dark than previous episodes, but I was also really bored, so yeah, didn't have much to say about it. Well, I have even less to say about it than that. I think you basically just nailed it with that word exploring. The themes and the concept were there, but they just really should have done some of that, the exploring. And also, it's just really hard to make anything work in this show with these actors, these so-called actors. Then again, can't just blame the actors, it's definitely the writers as well. Just, just refer to what I said at the end of the first episode, poorly executed, half-baked. There's a little something to pull you in, and then it just fucking spits you right out by the end of, what is that, 41 fucking minutes? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, the next episode we're talking about is Season 2, Episode 11, entitled Dreams That Kill, which originally aired on December 17, 1989. It was directed by Tom DeSimone, who also directed that photo finish episode, and it was written by Tom Blomquist, who also wrote that Dream Come True episode. The first half is about the new host of that talk show we saw in the first episode of the season, who, you guessed it, gets tormented by Freddy. I started this episode with a roller coaster of confusion, as the guy hosting Springwood Confidential just referenced the Doctor from episode one a second after I thought that's clearly the same set used for the talk show in the first episode, but turns out he was on that episode but firstly i thought is is it the same show because this seems to be a show about true crime in springwood when on the last show they were hosting a doctor who is plugging his book on dream psychology or whatever it was and i was also confused because the actor playing the host in the first episode is clearly not this actor who's playing him now Right, well, I think I said that it was a new host of this talk show, because that's the impression I was under, was that, you know, it, since it was a new actor, I was like, this is a new character, but maybe it is the same one, I don't know. Yeah, you could be right as well. I just thought that it was the same host because, you know, he's wearing a similar suit and has similar hair, and he's also got the same annoying and smarmy qualities that the character from the first episode had. Like I said, I was confused until the next scene where a dream sequence starts. I thought that Springwood Confidential is a different show to the one from the first episode. In the dream, Freddy is calling it the dream show. He's saying, don't do the dream show anymore. And I was going, so the dream show is called Springwood Confidential. But then in the next scene, they talk about a segment called Dreams That Kill, which... I guess, is a part of a true crime show called Springwood Confidential. And at that point, I thought, okay, I get it now, but goddammit, this show doesn't make any kind of sense. So now I'm unsure about the character, but I get everything else. For a show that's so goddamn fucking basic 
and simple. I'm annoyed to be this confused in the first, what, 28 seconds of any of these episodes. So the host gets into some kind of accident with these two, basically, caricatures that are fighting on his show. When he comes back to the set after healing up, I couldn't be bothered listening to what he and his producer were saying, having a, an argument about him being fired. Then Freddy suddenly shows up, and he's hosting the show. And I thought, that's a really weird transition into a dream sequence. Is that what I just saw? And then I got distracted by how weird, but all too wacky, the whole nightmare talk show thing was. Freddy says something like, he grilled his guests, and now we grill him, and then we pan over to the host being cooked on a grill. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, definitely silly, but um, I think that gigantic grill is a kind of great, absurd image. Kind of enjoyed that. Can't say that I did. And I didn't particularly like the part shortly after that where the guests are eating his his grilled and chopped off hand. It's just, it's all very fun, and I don't like it. Right, so when this guy wakes up in a hospital and he's actually awake this time, and I was going, oh no, I don't want to see this guy again, I'm sick of this guy. And then a fucking sex scene begins between him and his girlfriend, and that was truly sickening. I can't, I don't want to see that shit. The cheap looking film and the cheesy porno music and this guy with his shirt off, quite frankly, all too much. Okay, now I know that I've already said that none of the characters act like real people in this show, but there's a nurse in this scene who is fucking bonkers. He asks her about this patient that he just saw being wheeled by his room, and she immediately gives him every fucking detail. First she says, and as if she's really excited about telling him too, emergency case just came in, and it seemed for one second as if she was going to walk out the door at this point, but nope, she's like, a teenage boy, seizure while he was sleeping, stabbed himself in the throat with darts. But of course she says, with darts in the throat, because remember kids, these writers do not have a firm grasp of the English language. And then she goes on to tell him that the kid's lost so much blood that he doesn't have much chance of surviving. She actually says that. And then she tops this all off by telling him the kid's name, Randy, who incidentally is the kid from the first episode. What a tangled web of a saga this show is shaping up to be. Not really, though. So anyway, the host, he's returning to the set again, only again real this time, and ugh, don't put me through this. In a break from the taping of the show, for reasons that who cares, he sits down and he nods off, and uh, Freddy has this big wire that he uses to electrocute him, and the effect looked sparky and fine, and it wasn't anything special, but there wasn't anything particularly wrong with it, but while I'm watching it, I'm just sitting there thinking, it's a real good thing for the sake of Freddy showing up in the show that everyone can just fall asleep at the drop of a hat. He's in the middle of his workplace and he just fell asleep on a chair. It, it was mentioned that he didn't get much sleep the night before, but for fuck's sake, he's an adult in a fully lit room with a mug of coffee in his hand. I'm sure he's not gonna just fall asleep right there. 
and his producer and girlfriend, um, they come up to him and they seem to be aware fairly quickly that he was electrocuted, but I couldn't actually see how he was electrocuted outside of Freddy in a dream. But anyway, I'm sure nobody else thought about that either. And anyway, next we see him, he's in a hospital room and the setup that he's in, what the fuck is it? The doctor says that he's in a deep coma, so I can't help but wonder why he isn't just in a hospital bed like a normal coma patient. Campbell, can you tell me what I'm looking at right now? <laughs> Not really. Um, it's this weird thing where he's, like, suspended by... Well, they kind of look like IV tubes or whatever, right? Yeah. Just several of them attached to his body, so he's, like, suspended in the middle of the room in midair. And I don't see how that's beneficial for the patient or the doctors or anyone. I, I don't... Like, visually, I think it's kind of a cool image. Like, that's fine, but practically, I don't get it. No, I just... I just don't think it's a thing. Which is just going to confuse a viewer, right? Hmm. Confused me. I do kind of like the scene overall, though, with Freddy doing his twisted medical tests on the guy. And even without much blood and gore, the things that Freddy is doing to him feel kind of brutal. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on all of that. Specifically, Freddy got a hammer and said, I gotta check those reflexes, and then stabs the back of it into the guy's knee. Then he looks in the guy's mouth and says, those tonsils have to go, and he shoves his razor finger down his throat and just sort of jiggles it around, and then we see a little bit of bloody flesh hit the wall. And then there's blood pouring out of his mouth and all through his teeth. Then he opens up the guy's legs and tells him to take a deep breath and hold it. And then he just shoves his knives into, I'm not sure where, but the guy screams in pain. And yeah, this stuff is all genuinely horrific. Probably the most affecting scene in all of the episodes we've covered. Yeah, that's probably a fair call. I mean, I was pretty affected by the kid falling down the stairs, but in a completely <laughs> different way. <laughs> Alright, then we move on to the second half of the episode, which is about the doctors taking the TV host, who is now in a coma, and uh, taking his brain matter and putting it into another coma patient, and he, in turn, inherits the nightmares about Freddy. Yeah, so I'm still finding it hard to deal with these stories getting 20 minutes in and then suddenly taking a sharp left turn into something completely different. I'm watching this going, okay, so now the story's about brain matter being taken from a dead talk show host and injected into a motorbike crash victim to save his life? This is fucking absurd. But no more absurd conceptually than how absurd it's presented physically. This doctor, student, whatever, just sticks a syringe into the ear of the talk show host and sucks out some fluid and then goes ahead and pumps it into the ear of the kid who crashed his motorbike. It's so clear, even from the way this is shot, that the syringe in question is nowhere near either brain. It makes no sense on any fucking level. Yeah, I mean, as a medical procedure, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, whatever, it's a fantasy show. I don't think realism is really on their minds. I guess not. And from the quality of the series, I get the impression that it's aimed at kids. You know, not 
not really young kids, but kids that are only just old enough to be interested in Freddy Krueger, or be, be up late watching something they shouldn't be. So, big shocker, the kid starts to act like the talk show host, because a part of his brain is now in his brain, and uh, he has a dream and, oh fuck no, I can't deal with another sex scene. The talk show host guy's girlfriend walks in and basically we get the same scene for a second time, but with a younger male. The scene itself, it was quicker and somewhat less repulsive than the first, but I'm fairly disturbed by the transition from him holding her hand in his sex dream to his mother holding his hand in real life. <laughs> Within literal hours, this kid has left the hospital arrived at the set of the talk show, auditioned for the talk show, and started taping his first episode. Everything in this series is so painfully simple. Everything that every character does and says is just to further the plot. It's so basic, it hurts. It's like watching someone's 10-page treatment instead of a full script. The only thing I really took note of in this sequence is that, like you said, the guy is exhibiting behaviors that the TV host had, like smoking a cigarette, and uh, that seemed to be quite reminiscent of something similar in uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street 4. So I don't know if that was a conscious decision or, you know, just a rip-off, but um, yeah. Could well have been. I uh, actually wondered until I heard his name, and I don't remember what it is now, but I wondered if the kid from the motorcycle accident could have been Dan from Nightmare 5. That would have been a cool twist, actually. Yeah, would have made it slightly more interesting. Towards the end of the episode, the kid's dreaming, and uh, Freddy chases after him, gets him cornered in a room, and he unplugs an IV full of blood, and I'm assuming you didn't like this as you've already expressed in our Nightmare 4 podcast, that you don't find Freddy squirting blood very scary. Do you remember this? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I don't think I really had an opinion on it in and of itself, but again, I, I was reminded of the Dream Master and just thought, wow, they seem to be borrowing a fair bit from that movie. Smoking a cigarette is one thing, but him squirting blood at somebody in a hospital setting is... Well, that's pretty much a rip-off. So, the last scene... The kid ties up the doctor who injected him with the talk show host, and I think the idea here is that he's going to put Freddy into the doctor's head by putting the talk show host in his mind, which, you know, the talk show host, his brain matter, still just randomly sitting around in a syringe, ready to be shoved into someone's ear. This is still so devoid of logic, it's absolutely ridiculous. So, uh... Yeah, that's it. One more episode in which there's a potentially fascinating concept that's bogged down by shoddy performances and pacing, paired with a general lack of effort on the part of the script. Oh well, three down, one to go. Yeah, I don't have much more to add. The first half is pretty standard stuff. The second half is slightly more interesting, but overall, blah. I did not enjoy this. And the final episode we're talking about is Season 2, Episode 12, entitled It's My Party and You'll Die If I Want You To, which is a hilariously bad and awkward title, by the way. Clunky as fuck. You can't sing all those words into the melody of the song. Exactly. <laughs> Somebody thought that was really clever. They were wrong. 
It originally aired on December 24, 1989. It was directed by Tom DeSimone, who also directed the last couple of episodes we've talked about, and it was written by David Braff and Jonathan Glasner, both of whom wrote several more episodes of the show. So the first half is about this psychic who gets possessed by Freddy. And straight off the bat, I just want to mention this actress is amusingly terrible. Could not agree more. In this opening scene, this, um... I would call her, instead of a psychic, just just an asshole who pretends to be possessed by the dead. She puts on a little show claiming to be the first mate on the Titanic, and when she's playing the part of him, it's the most shameful thing. Where the fuck are they finding these actors? I sincerely mean it when I say I've seen high school plays with more believable characterization. And there's a guy in the audience who um, points out an obvious anachronism and the crowd turns on her, but then she wakes up and turns out it's just a dream. Oh, and then Freddy, in kind of one of his mid-episode asides, but it's the first of a few times when it seems to be part of the story of the episode and he's just talking to us for some reason. But he says, that chick shouldn't mess with the dead. Take it from me. I'm dead. Real <laughs> facepalm line there. It's like, um, Freddy, that line was done two words ago. Take it from me was enough. We got it. The photographer's assistant from episode two walks right into this woman's house, and instead of her saying, get the fuck out, he just talks his way into the position of her assistant in all of five seconds. And then you see the two of them at some sort of new age convention, and they walk around and she tells him what to do as her assistant, including getting people in the audience who seem to be falling for her show and offering them private readings. And I'm glad that this character is being presented as a self-admitted fraud. It seems to be a nice little dig at all the sick, heartless cunts who do this kind of thing for a living. I do kind of like how they incorporated characters from that photo finish episode into this one. The assistant guy you've mentioned, and I think one of the models turns up as well. She sure does. Turns up and gets fucking killed. Right. Just, you know, a little bit of continuity there. Not bad. Isn't it weird how I feel exactly, well, I mean, nothing's weird when we feel exactly the same about something, but weird how much the both of us enjoy continuity, whether it's in a series of films that we love or a crappy TV series from the 80s that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Just love that continuity. And also in this scene, we're introduced to a friend of hers who essentially does the same job that she does. So this woman gets possessed by Freddy. And so up in her hotel room at the convention, uh, in very quick succession, Freddy, in the body of this fake clairvoyant bitch, snaps the neck of a young girl, that model that you just mentioned, and slashes the throat of that guy who exposed her in the dream, which I guess must have happened before in real life too. So that's two deaths in a row. And not much to say about them really, except the neck snapping kind of amused me. It was so quick and unexpected. And uh, I think the actor just wore her costume backwards to create the effect. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mind either of the deaths really, despite how tame they were. 
And uh, speaking of effects, uh, in the woman's mind where Freddy's got her chained up and he's making her watch what's going on in the real world and she can see her body killing people, Freddy keeps disappearing and reappearing next to her with, with no effect on it. It looks like I Dream of Jeannie and I don't fucking care for it. The woman's friend from earlier and her assistant come up to the room and they find her with the the body of the guy who called her a fraud and um, they see the body and she says, oh, don't mind him, he's dead. And that is the first and probably only line in all eight episodes that has genuinely made me laugh. There's a part shortly after this where the two of them realize that she's possessed and in some kind of trance, as I think she called it. The guy says to the assistant, you seen The Exorcist? And he says, yeah, 10 times, but we're not priests. And the friend says, there's only one thing that can get her out of this trance and it sure ain't religion. And then it cuts to the two of them throwing coins at her as she's tied up to a bed and they're chanting, the power of money compels you. The power of money compels you. And that also is actually pretty funny. This is supposed to be a horror, I know, but I'm still kind of impressed. Right? I found that kind of funny as well. And as you say, surprising. Like, where are these witty lines coming from all of a sudden? I'll tell you where they're coming from. Out of fucking nowhere. For real. <laughs> I'm glad you liked that as well, because I couldn't quite decide whether I was just, I don't know, high on crack. <laughs> or if this was actually amusing. But yeah, it was. there's two zingers in a row. So uh, this exorcism doesn't work, um, but they hold her hands and then Freddy takes over the friend's body, not the assistant, the other guy. <laughs> like it matters, what am I saying? Anyway, Freddy immediately kills the woman by cracking her in the head with a silver pyramid decoration and then promptly stabs the guy in the stomach in the dream and he bleeds out IRL. The assistant looks around the room, um, seeing that everyone's dead, and he says something about there being a lot of negative energy in the room. And it cuts to Freddy, and he says, Negative energy? I've never been negative a day in my life. Trust me. And then the colors in the frames switch to negative, which is just really jarring and not clever and looks cheap and shitty. And also, just more very lazy writing for Freddy's one-liners. And also, I'm like, no, Freddy, I do not trust you. You're very much known for being a negative guy. <laughs> okay, and the second half is about Freddy crashing the class reunion of his old high school. We're introduced to this couple who uh, mention that they were both from Springwood High and they're at this hotel in the same room where the first half of the episode took place and they're at this hotel for their high school reunion. One of the first things that I wanted to note was the woman is having a dream where room service comes in and the bellboy is the assistant, the photographer's assistant, the clairvoyant fucking fake bitch is assistant. Um, and he comes in with a silver platter. When they take off the lid, there's a dead rat in there, which come on very very baby jane 
she goes down to the convention hall and she sees a couple of people from her old high school who are setting up for that night. And two of them start talking about Freddy Krueger and how mysterious it is that very few people are coming because they all died in various ways over the years. And they sit her down to tell her about Freddy Krueger. When she's up in her room later, she's drinking heavily and her boyfriend asks her what's wrong and she tells him about Freddy Krueger. She says, He molested and murdered over a dozen small children. A group of angry parents finally caught up with him and they burnt him alive. Now that's how you tell Freddy's fucking backstory. Simple, truthful, and to the point. And am I wrong or is that the first time in the whole franchise in any medium that he's been specifically stated to be a child molester? Because I don't think we've heard that before. You might be right, actually, yeah. I think it's always just been implied, never outright spoken. Yeah, it really stuck out for me because she just straight up fucking said it. So, if nothing else, that's one thing that I definitely commend this episode for. There's a couple of dream sequences here where we first see Freddy in his tux, which I kind of enjoy, just the silliness of that. And that there is kind of a reference to Nightmare 3, when uh, he's there in Kristen's dream and before he kills her mother says, where's the fucking bourbon? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I kind of like how he stabs the corsage into the woman. So now that she's dead, the boyfriend finds her with a pair of scissors in her chest. In the next scene, the police are there, and presumably he's called them, and he tells them that he hasn't seen her since high school, and they just ran into each other. Why would he do that? That is so extremely easy for them to disprove. One phone call to his parents, her parents, any one of their friends. What an idiot. Then again, as we saw in the second half of episode two, Springwood law enforcement seemed to also be deeply stupid, so let's just see how this plays out. Oh, and how fucking insane is it that he doesn't care at all about his girlfriend's death? Zero reaction. He's just not fussed because her death has given him an idea for a movie script that he's begun to write. So weird. So the reunion party is in full swing, and not too long after, there's a part where Freddy quite simply cuts the main guy's hand off. And I quite enjoyed how Freddy was, like, mocking the guy for freaking out about his hand being chopped off. The guy's dancing with someone before Freddy does it, and he says, mind if I cut in? I just decided to mention that because I heard that one and I was like, what's what's different here? Why, why am I not fuming hearing Freddy speak? Oh... Because that one-liner actually makes sense. How refreshing. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's exceptionally clever or funny, but it's an actual one-liner. So, yeah, got to appreciate that. It works within context and everything. God, I wish I wasn't so impressed by that. (laughs) You take what you can get, yeah. Yeah, so true. I also like how the woman he was dancing with screams when she looks and sees his severed hand still in hers. Speaking of, Freddy dances with that woman for a second, and then he dips her and stabs her in the back. And then uh, everybody starts freaking out. He closes the fire doors with his mind like he's Carrie at the prom. And then he kills everyone in the room with uh, poison gas that comes out of the vents, um, which is really weird. And then, ah, it's a fucking dream. 
it's not very good, but Freddy killing everyone at the reunion is one of the more fun scenes in all of Freddy's nightmares, I'd say. I think so as well, and there seems to be a scope to this scene that doesn't seem to occur anywhere else either. The um, lighting and set design and amount of people all tends to make it seem a bit more, well, real isn't the word, but something like it. But after this guy wakes up, I immediately assume that he didn't because Freddy comes in and stabs into his chest and rips his heart out. That was really gory, too. I didn't think they were allowed to do stuff like this on the show. Yeah, I guess you're right. They've been gradually allowed to get away with a little bit here and a little bit there, so it didn't really register to me as particularly gory for 80s network TV. But you're right. The heart, the beating heart, may have looked more like a large strawberry than an actual human heart, but gore still stands. After this, this guy that they met earlier that neither of us bothered to mention, he was Freddy's weirdo friend from high school. He and the assistant bellboy now walk in and they find the guy's body and, oh fuck, and the bellboy says, Mondo Disgusto, just, uh, what the fuck? That line is so lame that it just really makes me sad. And the episode ends with Freddy's weird friend taking the script from the dead guy and apparently deciding to pass it off as his own as a film called A Nightmare on Elm Street, which uh, Freddy is holding in the uh, final Freddy interlude thing. So I guess it turns out that the twist here is that the lead guy who got his heart ripped out was Wes Craven? Am I wrong? I mean, there's clearly a meta joke in there, but... I mean, I don't bloody recall what the guy's actual name is, but I don't think it was Wes, so... If they'd done that, that might have been something. Stupid, but something. I think it's borderline offensive. I'm wondering if Robert Shea is like, how can I give him a slap in the face through this episode of this TV series? <laughs> yeah. Asshole. Well, I don't have much to say about the first half. It's fine, but nothing we haven't seen before. The second half is a little more interesting. It's sort of good to get some Freddy backstory, even if I don't like it much. Just because I was disappointed with what we got in the very first episode of the show. But yeah, the idea that Freddy would be so petty as to get revenge for a girl that rejected him in high school makes him seem pretty pathetic. I agree. He can't be... He can't be holding on to memories like that. He's got, in life, he's got children to rape, and in death, he's got kids to kill in their dreams. Busy. Busy guy. Come on. <laughs> Besides that, same here. Not much to say about this episode in general. I'm really bored with these now, but um, I feel like somehow this one was one of the most boring, maybe? I don't know. It's really hard to say at this point. Um, but at least there were a few chuckles in there, and I know I didn't come here to laugh, but like we said, I'll take what I can get. Alright, and that brings us to the end of our review of Freddy's Nightmares. Eight episodes was more than enough for me. Maybe there are some other better episodes, but yeah, I didn't enjoy the majority of the ones I did watch. As I said about season one, it's an amusing artifact of its time, but that really is it. 
It doesn't add anything positive to the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, really. I certainly don't consider any of it to be canon. I think I'll just go back to thinking every once in a while, Freddy's Nightmares? Oh yeah, that's a thing that existed. <laughs> I think that's probably a good way to go about it. I don't have many thoughts on the second season that are much different from those I had of the first. The only big difference is that I don't like how the second season seems to be making the second half almost a completely different episode from the first half with just these slight bits of connecting tissue. I think it's a real mistake because if they put 40 minutes into telling one story, I really think they could be more thoughtful and more cohesive, but I've seen season one, so what the fuck am I talking about right now? <laughs> <laughs> hmm, maybe I am on crack. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of Hack and Slash. If you'd like to hear more from us, you can follow us on SoundCloud or iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast platform may be. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr. The links to those can be found on soundcloud.com slash hack and slash cast. And you can leave us some feedback and tell us what you thought of Freddy's Nightmares. Next time we're going back to the movies as we talk Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare. Thanks for listening and we hope you'll join us then. that you're here, Doctor. It'll just be a few nights. I can't tell you what I've been through. Please call me Brandon. You know, Randy wasn't always like this. Even after his father died, he was just a normal kid until we moved here to Springwood.